Hello, and welcome to another Industry Careers for PhDs podcast brought to you by Cheeky Scientist. I'm your host, Isaiah Henkel, and today we will be talking with Jason Malad about careers in business development. If you're interested in listening to the full interview and getting access to all of our job search materials, all of our interviews, and our private job referral network, go to cheekyscientist.com backslash association uh, and learn more about becoming an associate. Uh, if you'd like these podcasts, as well as uh, these interview highlights delivered for free to your email inbox, go to CheekyScientist.com and sign up with your email address on that page. Of course, you can listen to all of these podcasts for free on iTunes at any time. So again, today we'll be talking with Jason Malad about careers in business development. Jason did his undergraduate degree in molecular biology at Tulane University in New Orleans, Louisiana. In 2009, he completed his PhD in medicine at the University of Cambridge in the UK, followed by a two-year postdoc at King's College London. His first role out of academia was as a consultant for Innovia Technology, where he provided technical and business strategy consultancy to a wide range of blue-chip companies. He then went on to work as a technology transfer associate at Cambridge Enterprise, where he identified, in-licensed, and instructed uh, on patent filing to protect commercially viable intellectual property arising from the University of Cambridge uh, research. His first role in business development was at the business development manager, was as a business development manager at Horizon Discovery, followed by Cambridge Epigenetics uh, in 2013, where he currently works. Um, Cambridge Epigenetics is commercializing, it specializes in commercializing novel technologies and is uh, currently working on a novel technology that pioneers quantitative single base resolution sequencing of the methylated bases 5-HMC and 5-MC, leading to substantially more accurate determination of the methylated status of genomic DNA with relevance in research, pharmaceutical discovery, and diagnostics. Uh, Jason has progressed from business development manager to head of business development and consultancy. And finally, his current role, uh, he's, he's moved on from there as well to his current role as uh, vice president of business development. Uh, so we're going to jump in with Jason now. Thank you very much, Jason, for joining us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. And hello to everyone who's joined us. So business development is a very exciting type of alternative career, although a bit of a black box at the same time for many of our associates. So we're really looking forward to hearing your insights on it. To begin, I was wondering if you could walk us through your roles previously as a consultant and in technology transfer and describe how that led to your current career in business development. Yes, definitely. So... Um, as you read when you were going through my bio, I started off in the States and ended up getting a scholarship to move to the UK. But even though I was doing my PhD, I always had ambition and desires when it came to entrepreneurship. I have to admit that it's in my blood. My mom's quite the entrepreneur herself, and my dad's a scientist. So I'm kind of a mix of the two of them. And what I was keen on doing during my degree, as well as during my postdoc, was finding opportunities to um, basically embrace, embrace being an entrepreneur. So I did a business plan competition, which I ended up winning with my friends. I did an internship for 12 weeks, one day a week at a tech transfer office just to learn about the commercialization of IP. And I took all of that experience with me when I started applying for jobs during my postdoc to leave working at the bench. Um, I think uh, this is a first kind of recommendation to everybody being able to demonstrate not only that ambition and drive to do 
extra activities, extracurricular activities that are um, business oriented during your PhD and postdoc went a long way to helping me get my first roles and have served me well ever since then. So when I landed the job at Inovia Technology, it was for something I had no idea actually existed at the time, innovation consultancy. So there are a couple of consultancies in this space. Inovia Tech was relatively small when I joined, about 30 people. It's now doubled in size since then. Um, there's some more well-known consultancies called IDEO. Uh, for instance, and what if is another one. And basically, innovation consultancy is about coming up with new ideas and new business models to really drive innovation and, as you said, these blue-chip companies. So as a consultant, the majority of the, uh, my team members had PhDs. They were PhD chemists, PhD physicists, and when I joined, they were starting to recruit PhD biologists. And the other half of the consultancy were graphic designers. And we would work together to go out to a client and try to find either new products that they could innovate to add to the portfolio or new business models, as I said, to enter a variety of different territories. For instance, it might be an American company trying to um, interact in Southeast Asia. And so we were helping facilitate that, but from an innovation and technology standpoint. So that experience really taught me how to engage in a professional environment it was a lot of fun, I have to say. I worked on things as varied as coming up with new chocolate bars that won't melt in the heat, to new sensors for measuring bacterial contamination in dog food, to everything in between. So it was a wide-ranging, very exciting experience for me. But I always had my eye on tech transfer. Um, given my experience starting up my own small startup, albeit but a, an exciting one at a time for me with a business plan competition, and also my internship in tech transfer, I knew that going into that field was going to be an excellent learning ground for me, particularly as at the time, I didn't want to go back to school to do an MBA. I wanted to learn in situ. So as a tech transfer associate, I applied for a job at Cambridge Enterprise. That's the tech transfer office of the University of Cambridge. And it gave me an excellent grounding in everything related to where innovations come from, turning that into protectable IP, whether it be uh, patents or otherwise, and either licensing that out to companies or spinning them out into new companies from the university itself. And this involved understanding and researching the market need, being able to spot new opportunities at the university, understanding how to negotiate contracts, um, CDAs, MTAs, licensing agreements, collaboration agreements. So it gave a very broad overview of the innovation process. So between my role as a consultant developing new products and learning and tech transfer how to identify new opportunities and forge relationships and agreements with parties interested in working with the university or licensing our technology, it put me in a perfect position to go into business development. In fact, I have several friends who a natural transition for them is leaving tech transfer to go into business development. Um, I don't know if I should stop there, Laurie, or should I continue? Yeah, that was fantastic. Um, such a great overview. And I want to pick out just a couple points that you made that I think would be worth reiterating. The first is how you really highlighted how much extracurricular activities were really pivotal in helping you make this transition to kind of go um, beyond the bench to kind of see what else is out there and what other things you can get involved with. And I also like how you said that you wanted to learn in situ 
rather than, say, do an MBA. So I think this is something that a lot of academics struggle with, is that we always want um, more certificates, more education, and we think we always need that extra bit of certification to get us into certain roles. So I like how you really emphasize the need to instead just get the training on the ground. Definitely. And you'd be very surprised. I know I was surprised with just how far showing your interest and enthusiasm goes beyond saying I've done a two-year degree to learn business. People just want to know that you're competent. And there are a lot of soft skills you learn in the lab when it comes to selling your ideas to um, peer reviewers, to your colleagues at conferences, to funding agencies, um, marketing yourself. Um, coming up with brand new ideas and managing a project to fruition. These are terms that we don't typically use in the lab to describe what we do. We think of it as just, I'm an academic, I'm a researcher, that's all I do. But those soft skills, when you realize just how much experience you have and you pitch yourself in the right way and you've demonstrated, as you said, those extracurricular activities, you are such an attractive candidate for so many different roles. Um, in particular, I have friends who did do an MBA directly after their PhD, and some of the feedback they got was, okay, you have another degree, but you don't have any real-world experience. So after two years working, I was actually further ahead than they were when they started looking for jobs after doing their MBA. Not to say there's anything wrong with doing an MBA. If it's right for you, that makes sense. But there's a lot to be said for just getting out there, throwing yourself into a role, and learning on the job. You will, it's, mm -hmm. it's invaluable. Yeah, that's brilliant. Mm -hmm. um, well, I'd like to just talk about now business development itself, because it, it's quite a broad term. And um, I think we would maybe just be helpful for us to really define what it means maybe for you and um, what the day-to-day -day life is like for somebody who's in that type of role. Sure. You're right. That is definitely a very broad term. I would say if anybody is applying for a business development role, be sure to read the description and to discuss with the interviewer if you are lucky enough to get an interview, because it is a very broad term. Sometimes you'll find people say business development because they feel a bit reluctant to call themselves a salesperson. I think that everybody's a salesperson, as I said, whether you're a scientist or have the moniker behind your name. Um, sometimes business development is more of a marketing role. For me, business development is all about forging relationships and then identifying new opportunities. So when I joined Cambridge Epigenetics, I had to perform every commercial function under the sun. So even though my title is business development, I had to do sales, marketing, new relationships, even a bit of work with our R&D team to come up with new products and workflows. So it was quite broad and, and far-reaching. But business development in the truest sense to me is really that kind of early, it's pre-sales, but just post-marketing. You're kind of in the middle. You're exploring and identifying new opportunities. You're justifying why those are exciting areas to move into, and you're building those relationships. You, In some organizations, you may pass on the hard sell to like a salesperson who's on your side. You may be working with your marketing team to help generate those new leads. You sit firmly in the middle, and it's really trading on your knowledge of the field, your ability to network and identify those opportunities. That's business development at its truest sense, finding new paths. Um, sometimes in our company, we make the distinction of the salespeople are selling what we have today for money now. I'm looking for the futures for the next three to five years of growth 
So money tomorrow, as I would put it. But. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. And um, for your company, I mean, I said in, in, during your bio that you started as a business development manager, you went to head of business development consultancy, now you're a VP of business development. Maybe you can talk about a bit about the hierarchy of things. I know this will also change from company to company, but if someone just wants to get started in this type of role, you mentioned that tech transfer is a good place to start, but in business development itself, is there um, a different hierarchy of levels that you can go to? There are. Um, so I came in as a biz dev manager just because I'd had some job experience. Often you can find roles that are business development, associate. And to be honest with you, um, if you want to get into business development, your first job does not have to have business development in the title. Just like you said, I started off as a technology transfer associate. Um, that put me in a good position to understand which companies were in the area, as well as the skills I was learning. Because we were spinning out many companies from the university, I was able to interact with CEOs, interact with the founders, really understanding what the entrepreneurial landscape was like in Cambridge. And so when the right opportunity came up, it was easy for me to be able to transition there. So again, networking is key. Um, if you find a role in industry, you can make the most of it. And just, I'll give you an example. We're hiring now in my company, and one of the things we look for is a de-risking of the candidate. So if somebody's applying for a biz dev role, it would be great if they've had some sales experience or some marketing experience, but any experience in industry helps de-risk them for us. So I would be happy to hire somebody who has a science background, preferably PhD, who's gone into industry and has worked in a professional setting outside of academia and has demonstrated to me that they have that drive that would put them as an ideal place for a associate level position because I want to see them grow and thrive for a year or two and then we can invest in their training, et cetera. They don't have to come in with years of business development experience already. So really it's about um, understanding how to position yourself and make sure that you de-risk yourself in the eyes of an employer. And for me, when I joined the company, as I said, it was a startup. So it's a bit of a different situation from, say, joining a larger company. I came in and we only had three people. I was employee number three. And I quickly had to dive in and, in many cases, learn to do things I'd never done before. I knew about them in theory, but I was thrust into this role and I had to set up the website, the um, commercial channels, et cetera. And I would say that it was very daunting, it was very challenging, but it was thrilling at the same time. And that's the experience you get in a small startup. So startups can be much more tolerant of you're not having, say, 10 years of experience, but having that ambition and drive. So I'd recommend if you're looking for a good entry into this field, look at startups, because they're really looking for people who are enthusiastic and can wear multiple hats and just want to make the most and get on with the job. If you're going to a larger organization, say a medium enterprise or big pharma, et cetera, they may be more sensitive to um, how risky it would be to take you in if you haven't already vetted yourself as a business development X, Y, or Z. But there are positions that you can go into that are associate or you can transition from, say, an R&D role into more of a biz dev role. So there are different ways to enter the field. That's fantastic, Jason. A lot of great information for everyone. Thank you. And continuing on with this, I'd like to ask, 
are there any specific skills that associates should highlight, either technical or transferable, when they're applying for these types of roles? Yes, good question. So you have to demonstrate that you can thrive under pressure and deliver to timelines, definitely. You need to uh, demonstrate that you have great interpersonal skills. So uh, I can't underestimate again, I keep saying networking, 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 but one of the reasons why we hire people in the biz dev area is because of who you know and who you have the ability to access. And you'd be surprised, any of those, uh, we call them KOLs, that's an acronym for key opinion leaders, the people you've been working with, um, major um, professors or any collaborative projects you run with pharmaceutical companies or biotech companies, all of those connections look really powerful in the CV because it means you're bringing something to the table, your ability to network and possibly bring new business already. Um, I would say that if you have sales experience in terms of having to actually sell for revenue, that's also a plus. It's not an absolute necessity, but it's a plus. Um, extracurricular activities, of course, that are business related. And I would say emphasize in your covering letter what it is that you find attractive about business development. The worst thing you can do for any job, really, is apply and just say, oh, I'm a scientist, I'm interested in moving into this area, let me in. Come to the table and show that you're thinking about the company you're applying for. The applications to our company that stand out to me are the ones where they say, oh, well, I'm really interested in joining, and I read this paper recently, or I saw this bit article in the news. Have you considered moving in that direction with your company? I've looked at your website and I was wondering, have you thought about diagnostics? Have you thought about this new therapeutic pathway? Even something as simple as that in your covering letter helps you stand out above the crowd because we read hundreds of applications, speculative and otherwise. And just being able to show you have that spark and you're already thinking like a business developer helps you stand out. And to me, that's uh, more important than anything. I, I want, I hire based on potential. Um, prior experience is great, but demonstrate that potential in a real-world setting and make it relevant to my company or whichever company you're applying for. Great. Another fantastic answer. I love that you emphasize that you have to show what value you would add to the company and not simply that you just want a job. So thank you for that. So another question I would like to ask is, is there any additional training associates would need for this job? And along these lines, how much training did you receive when you started? Good question. Most of my training came from when I was in, well, two, two areas. So when I did the business plan competition as a postdoc, there were training sessions in the evenings. There were not, nothing official, no certificate or anything, but every, one evening every week we would get together and they would bring in different entrepreneurs or different business leaders or even people from the business school and we would have different modules that they would take us through. So an IP module, a marketing module, a sales, how to raise funds and financing, um, how to develop a product. And that at least not only gives you insight into how to do these processes, but you learn the language to use. There's certain words and terminologies that garner people's attention where you may know exactly what you're talking about, but if you're not using the right semantics, um, you're not going to get through. So just learning which words to use, the vernacular in the industry 
that was excellent training. That's not something you have to get formally from a class, but uh, most schools, most universities, most um, even cities have business plan competitions that I would highly recommend people to go to those classes, go to those enterprise meetups, and that is a informal training that I, I highly valued. Formal training, the only formal training I received was as a technology transfer associate, and there is a course in the United Kingdom from a company called Praxis, and it's basically a three-day course you go on to learn all the fundamentals of contract negotiation and intellectual property management. Now, that was something that my job sent me on as a formal training, and I learned so much from that three-day crash course. And again, I got to network with my peers who are working at Tech Transfer. And again, going back to the networking idea, as always, I have kept in contact with all of them, and now in my role as VP of Business Development, I spend a lot of my time working with tech transfer offices, and I've maintained those close relationships. It helps me when I'm negotiating a deal. Great. Thank you. I love that, once again, you underline the importance of networking. It's a very common theme throughout this webinar. Moving on, I was wondering if you could walk us through the promotional opportunities for someone in business development and how the role changes as you progress up the corporate ladder. Sure, sure. So I would say that I, the most important change for me has been twofold. So when I came in, small company, I built a team and I went from being an individual contributor wearing as many hats as I could fit onto my head to being somebody who had to manage a team and manage multiple territories. So in our company, I was responsible for the world, essentially, but that's not sustainable. So for the first time, I had to build a team of my own and assign them roles in multiple territories, um, assign them targets that they had to meet, and really get the most out of working through my team as opposed to doing it all on my own. That was a big leap from being a business development manager to head of business development, really building that team. Um, now, the interesting thing about that, particularly in a corporate setting, personal development is a huge part of being a manager. So line managing was a challenge in and of itself, but learning how to do proper appraisals to make sure that they have their own professional development, to make sure there's team harmony, schedule meetings. So it was all this administrative work that I wasn't doing previously that's shifting into that role. As I hired business development managers and business development associates to join me beneath me, I had to take on more administrative responsibilities. And that was the biggest shift up from just being on the ground on my own. Then moving now is as to VP of business development role that I'm in now, my remit has become more narrow to really focus on alliance management, so aggressively partnering with companies and academic groups and pharma, et cetera, and focusing on in-licensing and out-licensing intellectual property, and really just opportunity landscaping for the future, so a lot of strategic uh, thinking. Uh, this is even more so than when I was head of BizDev. My main focus was looking into um, I was in charge of the profit and loss of the P&L. So basically, how much money are we bringing in, um, trying to drive sales through the website, sponsoring conferences, attending conferences, things like that. The role I have now is much more focused on big, high-level partnerships that are part of the strategy for the company and being much more involved in driving the strategy of the company and establishing it. 
My other two roles was more about executing on a wider strategy. The role I'm in now is much more about setting the strategy for the company long term. So that has also been a transition. And as I've moved up, we've brought people in underneath me. We've brought people in laterally. So um, as a team expands and as the company expands, you start to bring in more skill sets. So I wear less hats, but I'm much more involved in the strategic direction for the company moving forward. Great. So it seems like you spend the majority of your time now in meetings. I do. Probably too much of my time, <laughs> to be honest. And that, that is a change. So I, when I was especially just a biz dev manager, I traveled uh, probably four days out of um, every five. I was always on the road. I was here, there, everywhere, around town, at every conference you can imagine, all over the place. As head of, I cut my travel by half um, because I had a team who they were out on the road traveling, and I was more at home base coordinating them. And now at VP level, I spend most of my time in meetings. I probably travel 20% of the time. And it's only very specific purposes. So let's say I need to go to Boston in a couple of weeks' time to do a deal with a collaborator there. I'm, I'm going to San Diego in the, the beginning of December again to do a couple of negotiations. But it's very, very specific travel and not as frequent as I had before. And that's something that everyone should be aware of. Uh, depending on the role, BizDev tends to have a lot of traveling associated with it. You cannot replace face-to-face -face interactions when it comes to deal-making. It doesn't mean you have to see them every day. A lot can be done by video and teleconferencing, but looking somebody in the eye and making that connection, taking them out to a nice meal, whatever it is, you have to make that connection. That's part of BizDev because people do business deals with somebody that they like. So you have to have that interpersonal, um, outgoing personality to really connect with people. And that's also something I was thinking I look for I look for when I hire is somebody who can grab your attention and connect with you because that's something that's very difficult to train and um, is invaluable in this type of role. I love that. That's something we mention in the group a lot. P people like doing business with people they like. That's absolutely great and something that we like to reiterate the importance of networking and it really seems to be of high importance importance in this business development role. How long till you were confident in your ability to negotiate a deal or recruit a technology on your own? Hmm. That is a good question. How long? Um, well, let's say I had to do it before I was fully confident that I could. <laughs> Let me explain. So um, I was very fortunate to be in situations where people, my boss, um, whether I was in tech transfer or Horizon or even at Cambridge Epigenetics, where people believed in me more than I believed in myself. And they just threw me to the sharks. And I had to swim. And that was the best thing for me. Because if I just kind of slowly but surely eased myself into the waters and I said, oh, I'm not ready yet. And I'm just going to watch and learn and maybe give me a couple of years. I I'm not ready for the responsibility. I wouldn't be where I am today. I just had to go for it. And the first time, I didn't have a choice. I was told by my boss, he said, you're ready. I know you don't think so, but you are. Here you go. It's your responsibility. Let me know if you need help, but it's showtime. Go for it. And I've now, after that first experience, I've always looked for roles that allow me to do that. Because for me personally, my learning style is I like to be jump into the deep end and swim. And it's challenging, and you're gasping for air. But when you get done with it, you've learned so much. 
I feel that um, sometimes, at least for me personally, if you take the easy road and you wait until you feel absolutely 100% confident in doing something, then I just, I don't thrive and I don't learn as much in that environment. That being said, you need to recognize your limitations and never be afraid to ask for help. It's not admitting defeat, but you need to know when to ask for input and to listen and take it on board. The main difference I have now is I can sift through what I think is good versus bad feedback. Um, when I first started out, any feedback I would listen to, because I thought, oh, well, you know uh, more than I do. But as you gain your own experience and your own style, you, you learn what works for you. And ultimately, there's no right or wrong answer when it comes to how you negotiate a deal, what the terms are. Just make sure that both people leave the deal happy is my style and that um, you do whatever it takes to make that deal close, but on your terms. Uh, people can give you advice about how they go about closing deals and negotiating or finding opportunities. You have to follow your gut instinct. And that's something you develop over time, but it always serves me well. Thank you for joining us for another Industry Careers for PhDs podcast. If you're interested in attending one of these interviews live, or if you're interested in getting access to the full interview, including all of the background materials and show notes, go to cheekyscientist.com backslash association and learn how to become a associate. Uh, you can get on the wait list for the next association enrollment period there and learn full details about the program. It's a program specifically designed to help PhDs transition uh, into top industry positions. If you would like to see receive more of these interview highlights uh, via our podcast uh, sent directly to your email, go to cheekyscientist.com and email subscribe under where it says start here. If you haven't already, you can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Um, until next week, remember your value as a PhD and start thinking and acting like a successful industry professional.